Greetings and welcome to another episode of Christ in Prophecy. Well, over the past several weeks, we've been examining the feasts of Israel, but I think this episode may prove to be the most exciting to you, those of you who are avid students of God's prophetic word. You know, that's right. We've already considered the feasts of Passover, Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, and Shavuot, or Pentecost, but today we will talk about Rosh Hashanah, or what many Christians recognize as the Feast of Trumpets. And even as we dive into this exciting, forward-looking feast, I'll encourage you up front to stay with us through the entire series. As the old cliche goes, but wait, there's more. Well, we're joined again today by Dr. David Bowen, our friend and co-laborer in prophetic ministry. You'll see much more of David in the months to come as he contributes to our expanding outreach here at Lamb Lion Ministries. David, we're so glad you could join us again, sir. It's great to be with you. I'm looking forward to this show as well. Me too. And we're also joined by Dr. Richard Hill. Richard, of course, is our expert on the Feast of Israel, a Messianic Jew, a pastor of a Messianic congregation called Beth Yeshua in Las Vegas. And so, Richard, we're glad you're back as well. All right. I'm so excited to be here and to be able to teach on this feast. This is one of my favorite feasts. Well, I think it's one of our favorites all around because we know what it looks forward to. But before yeah. we dive into the fulfillment of the feast, why don't you give us an understanding about its origin, its foundations, and sort of its historic traditions? Well, the way that we do this, guys, is we go to the Scriptures. Amen. All right. Let's, let's go to it. the Old Testament here, and we're going to Leviticus chapter 23. Again, yes. We're looking at verse 23 through 25. And we're going to find out that there's just not a lot of information on this feast in the scriptures. And that's what we want to remember. At least one thing we want to remember. <laughs> right. Again, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel, saying in the seventh month, that's the month of Tishri in the Jewish calendar. On the first of the month, you shall have a rest, a reminder by blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. You shall not do any laborious work, but you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. And so on this day, on the seventh month, the first day, they are to rest, of course, have a rest day, but it's not a full Shabbat day because they're allowed to do some work. But it's a reminder, or a sikron is the Hebrew word there, of blowing, teruah. And this is where we get the name of this feast, Yom Teruah. Gotcha. It's a day of blowing. Now, there is another uh, scripture in Numbers chapter 29, verse 1, that also talks about blowing the trumpet all day long. So, it, But that's just another scripture, and it doesn't tell us really anything more other than giving us more sacrifices, animal sacrifices, on what to do on this day. But verse 25, you won't do any laborious work, meaning out in the field, but you are allowed to prepare and cook food for your family and your friends and those things. And so this is a day of worship, it's a day of rest, but it's a day of blowing the shofar. There's a lot of reasons why we blow the shofar, and then you guys, I'm sure, know some of them. Well, could you tell us what a shofar is? I don't think everybody knows that. Ah, we should have a shofar right here. Well, we've got one right there. Oh, there we go. Shofar is a ram's horn. Okay. And they blow the shofar on this day specifically, of course. Some actually blow it 100 times. That's one of the customs 
but other congregations don't blow it on a uh, hundred times. They could blow it a number of different times as, as well. But there's different types of blasts that you do. And I'm actually the one that does it at our congregation because I'm the only one that's got a lot of hot air. So <laughs> They're hard. I've tried to blow in one of those things. I, I can't do it. How do you do it? Yeah, They're very difficult. Lips. You you have to, it's kind of like blowing a trumpet. You have to tight lips and you push through very, very you strongly. You almost hum. Don't you kind of hum when you do it too? No. So, <laughs> obviously, for, me. Yeah. for many Westerners, we think of a day of trumpets and we envision a trumpet, which is made of brass and, and crafted by man. But really, in an agrarian society, they would have used an animal horn, a ram's horn, mm -hmm. because it would have provided that trumpeting, that sounding. I mean, to this day, we talk about elephants. They, they trumpet when they call out. So, it was that sound that was to proclaim certain days, like the Sabbath day, other mm -hmm. special holy Sabbath days or high Sabbath days. And so, this trumpet would have been heard throughout the year. But on this particular day, it was a special trumpeting. It's a special trumpeting calling for repentance for the Jewish people. Right. That would have been very similar, those smaller ram's horns that you have up there, of what they used for they, when they walked around Jericho. And they blew the trumpets, those little, little ones, yeah. And so uh, calling for repentance. And that's where we see this mystery of this, of this feast, because it's a feast that sets you up for another feast. Right. Ten days later, now you're going to have Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, right. right. So, so you have ten days of awe getting ready for Yom Kippur, and you're repenting on Yom Kippur, but you're not repenting on this feast. What time of the year do the Jewish people tend to, to do this? I, I know there's four feasts in the spring and three in the fall. Where does this fall? This, is, the, this is at the beginning of the fall feast. Okay, so it's yeah. the first of the three fall feasts? The it first of the three. It also reminds Israel of their covenant relationship with God, too, when they blow the shofar, correct? Mm -hmm. so. There's a lot of reasons why you blow the shofar, and even for judgment as well, right. as we're going to see that connection, repentance and judgment together. Repentance and judgment. Now, just to be clear, Rosh Hashanah now marks the beginning of the Jewish year. So it's sort of the Jewish New Year. But originally, the feast that was tied to the beginning of the year was not the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Teruah. It was Passover. Passover. And then later, Rosh Hashanah. So what does Rosh Hashanah actually signify, and how did it make the transition? Well, the rabbis celebrating this day over the years decided that, hey, this is a spiritual new year for all of us, for all Jewish people. Since we are now, of course, having our getting ready to have our sins forgiven, right? And so this is the spiritual new year. And so that's why they tied that in. And so when you get to your Bibles, you even see the graphics. There's two calendars, right? right. Yeah. So you have the original calendar and then you have the new Jewish rabbi calendar that talks about beginning of the year in September. Typically it's September now in the fall. So we sometimes think about setting a New Year's resolution, but for the Jewish people, part of that new year was the days of awe with a, a period of reflection and repentance, contrition that would lead into Yom Kippur. So it was a great celebration marking the beginning of the year, but immediately kind of reflecting upon uh, the need to come before the Lord. Rosh Hashanah, with, I'm sorry. No, with, with contrition. Rosh Hashanah means head of the year. It's the yeah. head of the new year, so... How, how does the Jewish year work? Because it's very different than the Gregorian calendar, right? It's mm -hmm. based on a solar lunar yeah, calendar? Yes, based on a lunar calendar. Yeah. And you have to throw in an extra month now? Every on two to three years, you throw in 30 days. Okay, and what's that month Adar. Called? You have Adar 1, and then you have Adar 2. Okay, do you follow that? Do you follow both calendars, being Jewish? I have or? to follow both calendars, oh. yes. Yeah, that's confusing. Because all of, well... <laughs> 
You just get the calendars. They buy them. You buy them nowadays. I don't have to make it up, guys. <laughs> the rabbis put all those dates together, and then you just follow them. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Now, what's fascinating to me, I understand that blowing of the shofar means everything, but in my study for this, and, and tell me if I'm correct with this, it's not as much important as the blowing as the hearing of the shofar. Well, it's both, you well, know. But if, if they as say, the blower, I've got to I got to blow it correctly. Right, you have different that. different tones to the to the the sounding right. of the blowing. But the the listeners are the ones that are blessed as well. And if I understand, yes. in order for a male in the in the Jewish time to be have his his obligations fulfilled, he had to hear the shofar. Mm -hmm. But he couldn't just hear it. He, it was the intentions that once I hear it, I'm going to obey it. Right. Because that's, not everybody's. Blowing the shofar. I mean, not every right. Jewish person has to have a shofar no. and blow it, no. but they have to hear it. Yeah, right. it's not interesting though. It's not the blowing as much as is the hearing because it goes back to the heart. We talked about that about festivals before with the heart. Yes, exactly. I, when I hear it, I have to be willing to obey it. I mean, we read God's word, we got to be willing to obey it. And yeah. it's the same thing. A lot of people ask, how can you uh, obey a book of prophecy like Revelation, even though it promises for those who heed this book, there's a blessing. And I say, well, the first part of heeding is obeying, yes. believing. Yeah. And so believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. If you believe, that is what God considers your obedience. And it comes straight from the heart. And this faith was comes a, from hearing the word of God. <laughs> there you go. And this was a call to repentance. And even the month of Elul, 30 days prior to this mm -hmm. is also a time of reflection for the Jewish people, getting ready to repent. Mm -hmm. So they're actually using 40 days to get ready. Now, how did the Jewish people celebrate it? There's something that has to do with apples dipped in honey or what is that? Well, that's that one about? thing that we eat, yeah. Okay. Apples dipped in honey, that's sweet. So the idea is that you're going to have a sweet new year. And so we have a lot of sweet foods on Rosh Hashanah, on Yom Teruah. And don't they really plant citrus trees on this day, fruit trees on this you day. You plant trees as well because yeah. it's just the idea. I mean, there's always planting of trees in Israel, but you want to plant on this day as well fruit because trees. it's, it's, the, it's yeah. the spiritual new year. Yeah. You know? I've heard the traditional greeting for Rosh Hashanah is something that translates, may you be inscribed and sealed for a good year. So it's not just happy Shana new Torah. year, but it's inscribed and sealed. And that really harkens even to God inscribing and, and sealing you for the new year, but writing you in his book. I'm also told that, that this feast actually harkens back or points back to creation. Yes. So it's tied to creation. And, and as it creation came to the world, yeah. creation of the world. And yet, as it came to be understood, it also symbolized a time when mankind and each of us as individuals would pass before God. And as a shofar was sounded, that great good shepherd would either declare us to be, you know, in the flock that was kept and to be good, or would basically decide, no, this, you're not part of my flock. That's and the judgment you're talking the, about. The sheep and the goats. Yeah, that's the judgment you're talking yeah. about. Well, and can that's you explain exciting. that We're about the creation? Because I've, okay. in all my research for this, I didn't come across yeah, that. Yeah, it's that tied be, to creation. How is it tied to creation? That was the way it would oh. It's believed that this is the day that God created, right. began the creation of the world. Yes. Oh, wow. So the first day of creation would have fallen on Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a, a rabbinical tradition, or is there... It's a rabbinical they, idea, yes. Okay. Okay. Huh, I, I don't see how we that. can uh, verify that. Look at the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the Hebrew calendar. The rabbis <laughs> make the calendar. You have the calendar. <laughs> but, uh, you know, this with God, how do you know for sure? But, you know, it's kind of interesting. There's, there's a history there of, of the rabbis really understanding, you know, God's heart when it comes to those kinds of things. And so I believe that's true. So I think that you just hit on something. You said it's rabbinical tradition, and yet some of the traditions actually do have symbolic meaning but because they are hearkening to something that they don't quite put their finger on, 
but they get close. And so the symbology of this marking of a new year should point us back to creation, God's creative act. And so what's our response? Well, we want to be sealed going forward, but there are also other extra biblical books. So we talk about your wonderful book, Richard. We get insight from other books, but sometimes even these rabbinical traditions bring us insight uh, for the separation of the sheep and the goats. Now that's Jesus Christ that gives us that picture, but even other books that uh, are referenced when we talk about rabbinical writings and our understanding of this Jewish tradition. I do lots of study in the rabbinical writings as well and, and Midrash and, and those kinds of things as well, just to pull the, the tidbits and, the, and the, the good points that back up my teachings that I'm doing. Is, so. Do you put those in your book? Uh, for folks you don't know that Dr. Hill has written a book, Israel and Prophecy, and uh, I haven't got a chance to read it yet, but do you sub bring up some of these things that we Gentiles really wouldn't get? Oh, yes. The, this whole book is really about a lot of what uh, Gentiles don't typically get when it comes to prophecy. There's a lot of it. Uh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot from the Old Testament, but a lot from the New as well, but I'm bringing them together. And okay. especially there's two chapters on the rapture. Oh, it's the rapture? The There's the big bone. question. Everybody's been waiting. Does the rapture have anything to do with the Feast of Trumpets? Well, I think it does. All right, maybe you could flesh that out for us, get well, some Bible get verses some, or whatnot. Yeah. Let's get some scripture going. Let's go back to the Word. All right, shall we start off with our favorite 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? Sure. Quickly? All right. All right. Please. But we really want to get to 1 Corinthians because that helps us with some timing aspects. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Start verse 16. Verse 16. I mean, jump 16. 16. Okay. Well, yes, let's start with 16 and 17. Let's just do those two. For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Messiah shall rise first. Mm -hmm. And so we're given an order of the rapture here. The Lord is going to descend from heaven, right, first. Mm -hmm. But what happens first with that? A shout, a military command. So the Lord pronounces that military command. And then who takes it over? The archangel. The archangel next, right? The voice of the archangel. So then Michael. tells all the troops, right? And that's going to be us as well in the rapture. Then it says, with the trumpet of God. Now, here is the connection with the shofar. Because the Hebrew word there, of course, would be teruah, which means blowing of shofars. And that's what the trumpet of God is. The belief is. And so even in the book of Revelation, you see that word trumpet used all the time, shofar. It's the interesting because you see a lot of the Christian artists like William Hallmark and others who draw pictures of these heavenly scenes. And it's always this giant gold trumpet that's like six feet long or something. But in Jewish tradition, or it yeah. was probably more likely it's a ram's horn, right? It's a ram's horn. Okay, yeah. interesting. Definitely. And the dead in Messiah will rise first, so they get to go first, but only in a split second before us. Then verse 17, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together. And there's that word caught up, right? Harpazo, that's the snatching yep. away. Yes. And it's amazing that, that some believers tell me that they don't even believe in this. And I'm like, well, what do you do with this verse? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They don't believe in the rapture. And I'm like, well, this is the catching away. This is the, the snatching away. So they'll be uh, together with them in the clouds, meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Mm, so this Lord. is just a nice little summary about the rapture. So talk to us about the timing. Where did you want to take us into 1 Corinthians? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. All right. And that's verse 50 through 52. Mm -hmm. So 1 Thessalonians talked about the trumpet being blown, the, you know, the shofar being blown. Well, here we get a little bit better timing aspect now. 
So now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. And so we are putting on our resurrection bodies in this aspect. You can't get to heaven unless you have a resurrection body, right? Verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. And this is the connection that I like to make with the mystery of Yom Teruah. It's a very mysterious feast. It sets you up for another feast. Just get ready for another feast, right? Mm -hmm. It's the call, right? There's a call to repentance, but also a judgment aspect to it as well. That's the shofar blasting, okay? So I tell you a mystery, much like Rosh Hashanah, Yom Teruah, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed or transformed is that Greek word there. So we're transforming, uh, we're not doing it, but our bodies are being transformed into our resurrection bodies. Verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, not a blinking of an eye, but a twinkling, that's a fraction of a second, nanosecond, at the last trumpet, and that's the key right there, at the last shofar blast. When you read that word at the last, the last shows you that there's a series of trumpet blasts, mm -hmm. right? The last one, mm -hmm. not the first one, right? Not the middle one. And not the to last be confused one. with the seven trumpet judgments, which many people confuse yeah, with this passage. They, 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 they think, well, the last trumpet has to refer to the same set of trumpets in Revelation, and that's not what we're suggesting. That's not what we're suggesting. At and all. the reason is because Paul wrote 1 Corinthians like a long time, many, many years before John that's wrote right. the right. book of Revelation. Right. He wouldn't even known about he the trumpet judgments. He wouldn't have not even known about that. Okay. In his mind, his Jewish mind, was he thinking? Blow the trumpet. Yeah. Do, 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 Blow do, do, the show far. On, on this day of yeah. trumpeting. Yes, yeah. that's what he's thinking about. Okay. That's what I believe. I don't know of any, and I've done a lot of research, I don't know of any other series of trumpet blasts in Judaism. It's only here. Only for this feast. Rosh Hashanah for Yom Teruah. The blowing of the trumpet, and you're supposed to do it all day long. The last trumpet blast is called Tekiah Gedola. The great last blast. And it's the longest one. The loudest one. It's the best one. It's the last one. So a lot of Christians uh, in their anticipation, and I, I applaud the enthusiasm of anyone who's looking forward to the Lord's return, but they kind of get skewed in their thinking. They say, it has to happen mm. on the day that the modern Jewish rabbis have set as the Feast of Trumpets. That's the only day Jesus can come. And my answer is, well, does that mean you're not looking for him the other 364 days of the year? And I think that misses the point. Misses so the point, yeah. he will come in fulfillment of this prophecy of this feast, but does it have to be on that day? It does not have to be on that day. And here's the reason why, because other scripture tells us that the rapture could happen any day, that's right. any day. So when it does happen, that feast will be fulfilled. And that's the mystery aspect as well. It can be, it doesn't have to land on the day. And it's, it's, it's the only feast that I, I believe prophetically does not have to land on that day. Well, this is interesting because when we looked at the spring feasts, each of them fell on a day related to Christ's death, his death, burial, and resurrection. Pentecost fell on an exact day. So you got to wonder why then would the, the three fall feasts not fall on the day? I agree because people say, well, the, it falls on a two-day cycle because the days start in the evening and go to the, so it could be those two days. But you're saying it doesn't have to, this feast, it doesn't have to fall because on it, that day. Because of the other scripture that tells us okay. that it can happen any day. We, we're supposed to be waiting right. eagerly for the rapture every day. So Pentecost, yeah. or excuse me, Rosh Hashanah then becomes a type of the rapture. It doesn't have to be a date setting for the rapture. Exactly. So we can have peace knowing that the four in the, in the spring were fulfilled. 
which yeah. means the ones in the fall will also be. And that's huge. Fulfilled. And I think there's that's another reality that even though there are dates set, you can buy calendars, it, there is some variation amongst even Jewish interpretation on some of the dates. There, there's sometimes this day or this day, but the bottom line is I think when we get to heaven and look back, it will all align yes. from God's perspective in a beautiful way. The other thing I would point out, and Richard, you brought this up a minute ago, is that the Feast of Trumpets leads to another feast. I think a lot of Christians, Gentile and perhaps some Messianic Christians, are looking forward to the Feast of Trumpets. And that's the end. Once the trumpet sounds and we go to heaven, that's all, folks. But there's more to come for the mm -hmm. Jewish people yes. in particular. Yes. And so God's promise to them is not been negated. Many of them will not be taken during the rapture. But there is a provision for them during the tribulation yes. when they come to the end of themselves after these days of awe that follow the Feast of Trumpets and lead to Yom Kippur. We'll talk about that in our follow-on episode. Okay. But this is not all. There's more to come, and there's more to come even for us as believers. And we'll get to that in a few episodes or a couple episodes when we talk about Sukkot. Well, that bears the question then. Does the days of all supposed to be a reflection of the days of or tribulation, the seven-year tribulation? I think so, definitely. Okay. And remember now, the fourth feast had two fulfillments, one for the church, one for the nation of Israel. And this feast has two fulfillments, one for the church, right? That's the rapture. Now the church age is over. Yes. Daniel chapter 9 gave us that mystery age, that church age, right? It was totally mysterious to Israel and the rabbis. They had no clue that that was going to happen, that the Gentiles would now be ushered into the fold mm -hmm. of salvation. But now the second aspect is for the nation of Israel, and now it's the judgment. They are being called into the tribulation period to then be judged through that period mm. to get them to the end when they can finally be saved. What's that? I'd like, that, I'd like, uh, to, say that, yeah, I'd like to say that the, uh, the main audience, though, of Revelation is Jewish. They're going to see the Old Testament come alive, mm -hmm. and yeah. they're going to realize who Jesus is. Through, through We've time. often said here at Lamb Line Ministries, I think Dr. Reagan coined this phrase, that Jesus is either going to come as your blessed hope or as your holy terror. And it's an either or. So those of us who have put faith in him, he's coming as our blessed hope soon and very soon. But otherwise, he's going to come as your holy terror. And whether or not you survive the tribulation is highly in question. So don't wait. Say, oh, I'll decide that later. No, choose this day. I will just point out, Richard, for those who have not already gotten a copy of Richard's book, it is a tremendous resource that we would highly recommend. We're going to offer two resources today tied to this series. If you would be interested in getting Dr. Reagan's book, The Rapture, Fact or Fiction, it's a small book. For, so for $10, you can call the number on the screen. We'd be glad to send you a copy. If you want not only The Rapture, Fact or Fiction, but also Wrath and Glory, really an overview study of the book of Revelation that David talked about, it is another tremendous book, quite a bit thicker. So the two books together for $25. Again, call the number on the screen and tell them you want to order one or both of these books as a resource. But Richard, we have all been excited about the rapture. You from a Jewish perspective and also believing in Yeshua. Uh, how soon do you expect this feast to be fulfilled. We're not so setting a date. date? Is that no, sir, don't, don't set a date. But, but soon, soon, very soon, how, how soon? soon? Do we have a lot of time? Uh, no, no, we do not have a lot of time. We know that the world wants to get a one world government in by 2030. Now, that's the kind of date I'm looking at seven years from now, you know, maybe before that. Now, can God push that back? Of course he can. 
But that's what the world wants to do. So it could happen anytime. Well, anytime in the next few years, guys. How does one participate in the rapture? Well, you know what? You have to repent. That's part of it. You gotta repent of your sinful lifestyle. And you gotta believe in Jesus. Jesus came here and he said, repent and believe in the gospel. So the gospel is Jesus dying on the cross for our sins, resurrecting on the third day to give us a living hope of, for eternal life. And so all you gotta do is place your trust in him, repent in your mind and in your heart, turn to him and you shall be saved. You mentioned how the world is looking for a one world government. I would dare say that the world is prepared for, preparing for, and will actually be eager to embrace the Antichrist as described in Scripture. And that's who they're looking for, a great uh, human Savior from all the problems we have. Those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ are looking forward to the true Messiah who's coming soon and very soon. The Feast of Trumpets is one I am looking forward to personally. Many Christians are, both Jews and Gentiles. Hear now the testimony of our good friend Amir Tsarfati on what the Feast of Trumpets means to him. It's very, very interesting because uh, I was always, uh, as a kid, when I grew up, you know, I went to synagogue. I was waiting for the moment where we all blow the shofar. I mean, at least the the elderly people in the in the synagogue would blow the shofar, and the young ones will all listen to it. And it was very unique moment. But I, at that time, I remember. This was not an individual festival for a person to keep alone. This is the one festival where God actually said, come together, congregate, then blow the shofar. And so it was, I realized this is a festival that demands the entire nation of Israel to come together. And it is our plea to God to come to to open the you know the gates of heaven and to and to come and when we hear the sound of the trumpets of men as Israel gathering again at the end of the tribulation and to know that the Messiah is coming back to his own remember he came to his own the first time he will come back to his own again in the second time uh, both coming, the first coming to earth and the second coming to earth will be directly to his people. Um, it'll be a wonderful thing. And until then, we need to pray for them, love them, and uh, intercede for them. That's all we need to do. Amir is another example, like Egal German shared with us and Muddle Baliston two weeks ago, that Jesus is raising up bold Jewish evangelists in these last days. They are the forerunners of the 144,000 Jewish witnesses who will share boldly the gospel during the tribulation. And Richard, really, you're another example sitting right here with us today mm -hmm. of that philosophy. Amen. And I think some of those people are already here on this earth, but they don't believe right now. They're going to believe after the rapture happens and once the tribulation period begins. While the gospel came for many of the Jews first, and many of God's promises are still holding out for that last Jew, I'm glad that Gentiles have been grafted into the family of God. Oh, so do I. Me too. I'm, I'm glad that there's no favoritism by God. In fact, Peter learned this when he went to preach to Cornelius, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, and, and God did a wonderful thing there because somebody was faithful to the gospel. You know, the question we would ask is, what about you? Who shared the gospel with you? Throughout Scripture, God called people from all kinds of backgrounds to serve Him. 
Jesus called fishermen and tax collectors, zealots and doctors. The Lord raised up shepherds and kings, and even a cupbearer and a poor carpenter to serve him in mighty ways. None of us, Nathan, David, Richard, me, you, is beyond the reach of God, beneath the grace of God, or unusable by God. No matter who you are or what you have done, he is calling you to trust him. Call on the name of Jesus Christ today and be saved. Then, like us, you'll be listening for a trumpet sound, the voice of an archangel to cry out, and the Lord himself to shout as he descends from heaven to gather his bride, the church. That could happen today or tomorrow or this year, but all of us believe it will happen soon. Until it does, we will proclaim Jesus soon return. Will you join us in that glorious and hope-filled message? Until next week, we pray that you will look up and be watchful and listening for the trumpet to herald the Lord who is coming soon. Thank you.